From Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. The Ravens are trying to get ready for a playoff game, but all eyes right now seem to be on not just this weekend, but what the future looks like now that it appears that the team and organization and the quarterback might be at odds regarding the injuries. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Obviously, we've all been talking about the Ravens, let's say, controversy. Uh, Harbaugh answering a question from a reporter about fans feeling like Lamar has decided not to play because of his contract in a way that sort of left uh, some wiggle room for interpretation. Lamar puts out a big statement on social media, making it clear that he is too injured to play and that his knee is is not stable enough. And then all of a sudden, we get a response again from Harbaugh today. It's like uh, this constant Real Housewives thing. We've got drama going on all over it. So, Harry, let's bring in our buddy Field Yates to help us break it down. We're going to call this what, like... Field day Friday, Friday with yeah, fields. Like we're field gonna, we're day. just gonna make field come on every Friday with us. He may not know that, but we're, we're speaking that into existence. So, what'd you make field of the Lamar Jackson uh, social media post, making it clear on why he's not playing? Yeah, field day Friday has a nice ring to it. And before I answer that question, a huge congratulations to you and the entire staff, you guys, uh, that are going to be a part of this show. I couldn't be happier for a duo that I know has already made great, made great radio together is going to continue to do so for a long time. So we are all lucky as the consumers and listeners of this show. I'm thrilled for you both. I'll answer the question now about Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. I think the tweet uh, signals a very important thing that Fitz, you said in your lead up to the question, which is interpretation. And I think we have to work backwards before we can look to the present or even going forwards with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Let's understand that whenever a player gets injured, we all want to know how quickly he will return. We also know that sometimes initial timetables are not accurate. Things change. Everybody is different. Every player reacts differently, recovers on a different timeline. But the reason why we have timelines is they are a general average or window into when the team or the player or both think they're going to be back. And the initial reporting was that Lamar Jackson – could be out one to three weeks, I believe, the week after Lamar got hurt. Like, during the week, John Harbaugh was not willing to close the door on him playing without missing a single game. We are now going into what will be the sixth straight missed game for Lamar Jackson because of this knee injury. And if they win, I'm not convinced he'll play the following week, whoever the Ravens would play in that next matchup. And, you know, guys, I think it's probably fair and unfair to mention the contract because it's unfair because Lamar will continue to insist that this is strictly about his knee and that should be taken at face value. It's also fair in the sense that I don't know how any human, anybody could be in the situation that Lamar is in where he has not yet secured that long-term contract and not also be thinking about that long-term contract as his recovery continues. So it's a tricky one. It's a very gentle topic in a lot of ways, but ultimately what we know in the here and now is that the Ravens aren't going to have Lamar Jackson on Sunday, and that makes them massive underdogs against a loaded Cincinnati team. 
And Phil, I would tell you, being a formal player, um, being in a lock, being in a locker room at, at one point, that's a tr- that's a tricky and a sensitive conversation for a lot of guys in the locker room too, as well. Because sure. there's been multiple of uh, of occasions where you know a guy, a young player, would come to me and it's like, "Hey, man, they told me I should be back in you know four or five weeks, and I don't think I'm ready or whatnot." So a lot of times, teams may say a, a time frame, but I don't think you can actually gauge a player and how his body heals and how he actually feels uh, by using a time frame. It, it actually happens a lot in sports, and we, we, we tend to get upset with the player for not coming back in a time frame that was stated. But in actual reality, yeah. you gotta, you got to realize that the, the body heals differently and everyone is different. And, Harry, what I would say is, and this drives some people nuts, actually drives a lot of people nuts, but there are coaches in the NFL, and I would say perhaps none more notably than Bill Belichick, offers zero update whatsoever on player injuries when they occur. And while most people think, oh, he's just trying to protect a competitive advantage, that could be true. But a lot of these coaches are not putting timelines on players because it's unfair to the player, right? Like, hey, we're not going to say anything because all of a sudden, if it's two to four weeks in our eyes and four weeks passes and the player's still not playing, fans direct their ire towards the player. But I would just say that if you look at all the comments that have taken place over the past nearly six weeks, it strikes me that at least my interpretation, to borrow Fitz's word, would be that the Ravens seem to think Lamar is fairly close to returning, and Lamar's absence from practice in his tweet last night does not seem to reflect that. Yeah, by the way, you know, y'all have blown my mind here. For the number of times that I sit there and think about coaches not saying anything, I always think it's immediately competitive advantage. I don't know that I ever really sat back and thought – about the pressure that takes off of the player by handling it that way. Uh, I love that that concept and that take from both of you guys. It's Field Yates hanging out with those Fitz and Harry, Jason Fitz, Harry Douglas. So uh, when you start looking at the the injury question, Mike Williams, something we were talking about earlier. We were talking about what 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 accountability should we have to Brandon Staley at this point for the way that this was handled? All right, so I get it. It's it's, it's a bad look right now it is i i definitely agree with that because the chargers had what could be described accurately as a meaningless game in week 18 as it pertained to their playoff fortunes right they were locked into the fifth seed by that point their trip to jacksonville was already booked by the time their game against the broncos began on sunday afternoon um i I don't want to go like full throttle Brandon Staley is a complete moron. He has no, he's, he has no idea what he's doing. Um, because I, I, I think that, A, like, there's a risk. Unfortunately, we've been uh, reminded of it too, free, too much, and certainly in a notable occasion recently, that every snap on the football field is dangerous for every player out there. Any guy can get hurt, whether he plays one play or a good chunk of a Week 18 game. And, you know, the Chargers have had a number of injuries this year and haven't had – as many snaps with their first-team offense as anybody could have forecasted coming into the year. So there is a, a part of me, part of me, that is mindful of that factor. But I think the overwhelming sentiment and probably the more pressing feeling that I have right now is that it would have been just fine for the Chargers to treat Week 18 much more like a preseason game. If you wanted to play as guys a series or two, that's fine. But having them in there as long as he did – I think was a mistake. And, you know, it's, I think the, one of the reasons why this is more, more, I would say, discussed right now is that there is the backdrop that 
I don't know, two months or so ago, people were already speculating that if Sean Payton were to get back into coaching, the Chargers would be a desirable job because of, A, the location where he lives now in L.A., and, B, the fact that Justin Herbert is there. He's, you know, one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't know that Brandon Staley's job is, like, at any risk this weekend. Because he got them where he got them to where they are right now, which is the fifth seed in the AFC, despite a ton of injuries. But um, I'll just say this: if something were to change, and I don't expect it to, then I think we are all going to point to what took place in Week 18 with Mike Williams, because it probably means if he's if he's getting fired, it's because they lose this Saturday night tomorrow night against the Jaguars. Yeah, that was going to be my mindset. If they go in this game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, and you know Mike Williams in his presence is definitely missed. Uh, a lot more than they probably thought it would be. And then Brandon Staley, you know, has one of those fourth down calls that a lot of people cringe about. I think that might be a fireable a offense for Brandon Staley, but to each his own. Now, I, got, I actually got to ask you about another guy that could potentially be on the hot seat, Mike McCarthy. If they lose this game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Monday night, do you think he would potentially lose his job? This is the one that I have my eyes on, guys. And here's the reason why is, first of all, the Sean Payton connection is not speculation, right? Like, that one we know. He coached there. He's has, he either has or had a house there. Like, there's no shortage of linking Sean Payton uh, to this job in Dallas, right? Like, that's been around for a while. But what I will say is, beyond that, Jerry Jones, I don't know if he, Jerry Jones put him on the hot seat, but, like, Mike McCarthy was on the hot seat after last year. It's one of the highest pressure jobs in the entire NFL. It's one of the signature franchises in all of sports. And it's not that Mike McCarthy hasn't done a good job of getting this Cowboys team to where it's at. I mean, getting, you know, making the playoffs in back-to-back seasons, winning 10-plus games in each year, and the division title in one of those two years is all important context. It's that what the Cowboys don't need, they don't need someone that can get them to the playoffs. Right, The team is good enough in terms of talent that you should expect a coach to get them there. It's Do you have the coach that can help push this team from good to great? And if Mike McCarthy loses in ugly fashion on Monday night against a Tampa Bay team that, yes, they have Tom Brady, but you guys have watched this team all year. This isn't the same Bucks that we've seen over the past two seasons. If they lose in Tampa on Monday night, I think there's a chance, depending on how the loss goes down, that we are asking the question in the days after that about who the Cowboys coach will be next year. As always, you can check out the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast. Field Yates, my friend, we appreciate you so much. Have a great weekend. Thanks for taking the time. You guys are the best. Thank you so much for having me on, and I'll see you again next Friday. Woohoo! Field Day Friday, making that a thing. Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Okay, for all this playoff conversation, we've talked about coaches, we've talked about some of the biggest games. There is one matchup between two quarterbacks that are absolutely being overlooked. And this matchup could change the way both of them are seen forever. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Give this to Barkley, straight ahead, into the end zone, untouched. 
playoffs. Whatever the seeds are, the seeds are. We'll prepare as hard as we can to uh, go play a really good football team in a hostile environment. You don't think this team's going to beat the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota? There's no question in my mind that the Giants will win that game. I don't trust Kirk Cousins. I know it sounds like we pile on him. This is Kirk Cousins' moment that show that he can do it under the bright lights. He's facing a defense that he should be able to pick apart. Cousins back to pass. Touchdown Vikings! I keep saying that the playoffs are supposed to be a time of excitement, but it feels like at least the national narrative about both teams in one matchup is that neither team deserves to be there and neither quarterback is any good. And I think that entire narrative is absolutely wrong. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and your smart speakers just tell them to play ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. And hear me out, Harry. Like, we've spent so much of the year talking about the flaws of Kirk Cousins and the flaws of Daniel Jones that it feels like we're walking into a playoff matchup that, frankly, whichever quarterback wins is going to shut some of the critics up at least for a few days. And we're so busy talking about what these quarterbacks aren't capable of instead of acknowledging the fact that these are two quarterbacks that, frankly, there are a ton of teams in the NFL that would bend over backwards to try and get their hands on. These are two quarterbacks that are making – we're making them out to be bums when they're actually both very good well, now, how do you define very, very good? Well, like, very I, I good. Mean, like, they're not Mahomes or Burrow, but, like, there's a level of, like, yeah, that guy can win you some games. Kirk Cousins can win you some games. Daniel Jones can win you some games. Yeah, but here's the thing. Like, when you get to play out football, I know I, every any or, organization or fan base don't want to, you know, a quarterback to just win them games. They want a quarterback that can win them the Super Bowl because that's the ultimate goal, right, from – you know, from the players, from the organization, front office, from the coaching staff, from fans who spend their money on, you know, on this team. They want to see their team win a Super Bowl. And if you ask me today, if can Kirk Cousins lead his team to a Super Bowl, my answer is going to be no. Because when Kirk Cousins is great, we've seen Kirk Cousins pass for 300-plus yards at Buffalo and win that football game and get the ball to Justin Jefferson. But we also seen Kirk Cousins against the Green Bay Packers throw, uh, throw three interceptions and have a fumble and have four turnovers. Or we also seen Kirk Cousins when, you know, they take Justin Jefferson away and where else is he going to resort to? Who else is he going to go to and, and make them the primary guy? We understand that Hawkinson came over from the, uh, from the Detroit Lions. He's been phenomenal. But we also have seen some DNA that there's a way that we can actually stop this Vikings offense. What if the run game is not going to be valuable? What if da- Dalvin Cook isn't being his normal self? What if the offensive line isn't blocking the way they want to block? But most importantly, if the New York football Giants can get pressure on Kirk Cousins, I think they can make him fold. I think they can make him put him in a position to where he's turning the football over, and now we're having another conversation about Kirk Cousins saying, I told you so. So Kirk Cousins has had some bright moments this season, a lot of them, actually. Um, but we've also, we've also seen Kirk Cousins throw 14 interceptions. And a lot of those interceptions, a lot of people are asking, why is he throwing it there? What would make him do that? So we've seen the great Kirk Cousins. We've seen the, the terrible Kirk Cousins. The question lies, what Kirk Cousins are we going to get in this first wild card matchup against the New York football Giants. Well, and for that, I look back at the playoff performance because we keep talking about Kirk Cousins in big games and now he doesn't play, play well. In four playoff games in his career, he's completing 62% of his passes, three touchdowns, one pick, career passer rating in the playoffs of 86.6. Nope. And through that nope. process, he's nope. been sacked a throw, butt ton of them, 14 times been the, sacked. Throw those damn numbers out the door. What's his record? One and three. Well, one in three, one but in one three. of those games, one of those games in 2012, he only threw ten passes. So if you if you take that out, he's one in two. 
Like he's one and three. You can't take it out. It's on his record. He's one and three. Okay. He's well, won one playoff game. How long has Kirk Cousins been in the National Football League? He came in the same year RG3 came in because I remember playing him up in Washington. I think that was 2011 or 2012, one of those seasons. And I remember RG3 went out with an injury in that game and Kirk Cousins came in. Wait, wait, wait. So, but, 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 but yesterday when we were talking about Mahomes and we talked about his Super Bowl loss to the Buccaneers, the first thing you said is like, yeah, but that offensive line was bad. And, you know, there's so all these other They were playing with backups. Yeah, they were yeah. playing with backups, Fitz, But still, like. Uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, but, that was top 10 in the league that year. Yeah, but wins and losses are not just quarterback stat. Like, they're, Kirk Cousins has played well enough in these games for us to at least give him. So, like, we're talking about him like he's Taylor Heineke. He's not. You know what? Let's do it like this. I'm going to settle this this way. You have an opportunity and you don't have a choice. You can put, you got to put your house on the line and Kirk Cousins is your quarterback. You feel comfortable? Against this do Giants you feel, team? Do you feel comfortable? Comfortable, like against who? With Kirk Cousins winning the game against any and everybody. Yeah, I think Kirk Cousins can beat the Giants this weekend. Sorry, Devin. I hate that Okay, I you feel that. comfortable? Yeah. You feel comfortable yeah, this feel weekend comfortable. With, yeah. with your house on the line? I mean... <laughs> you know, Annabelle is a part of your house, a, too, now. Annabelle a, okay. is a part of your house. Okay, I, well, I'm, let, no, I don't feel comfortable with that. But, Harry, I feel <laughs> a lot more comfortable with Kirk Cousins in that bet than I would with a lot of other players. Like, I, I don't feel Do you com- feel more comfortable with Kirk Cousins than you do with Daniel Jones? Yes, I okay. do. I, I, I do. Like well, Now, is that because Kirk Cousins has Justin Jefferson and KJ Osborne 100%, 100%. and TJ Hawkinson? 100%. Okay. So, the problem now, with the Vikings isn't the offense to me, it's the defense. I, I understand that. But the problem with the Vikings against the Green Bay Packers was their quarterback turning the football over. Yeah, no, no, no you're not wrong about that. He had a bad you game. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, he had a bad game. But why is it we forget the turnover games when they happen for Mahomes, but we don't forgive them when they now, happen for Cousins? Like, I'm Mahomes here, I'm had a couple here, of them in the well, regular season. Come on now. Let's not put Patrick Mahomes <laughs> and Kirk Cousins in the same damn sentence. Stay out of you're my about mansion. to frustrate me <laughs> at, at, at 2.23 p.m. on a Friday. <laughs> We're putting Kirk Cousins and, and Patrick Mahomes in the same category. You, I'm not going to let you rile me up. That's what you, it's Freaky Friday and you trying to take me out my freak mode, but you're not going to be able to do it. You're not going to rile me up today. Nope, bitch, you're not going <laughs> to do it. This is that moment where you pull up to the valet in L.A. and you realize everybody else has Bentleys and you're pulling up in a Yugo and you're like, no, guys, I belong. I realize Kirk Cousins ain't in that same part of that conversation. I just think that we, we talk about Kirk. Like, Kirk Cousins is stuck in this level of pretty good. Let me say it that way. And when yeah. you're in the level of pretty good, we all of a sudden make it that you're really in the level of suck. And I just don't think that that's the case, right? Like, I think but that see, I, would, I wouldn't think that. A lot of people think that. I don't think Kirk Cousins sucks. I just think, and, and I have more information about Kirk Cousins because I know someone who played with him uh, last year, the year before last year, and we had a lot of conversations about Kirk Cousins. Um, and he just don't think Kirk Cousins is that dude. And he played in the wide receiver group with Kirk Cousins. Mm, I'm going to start Googling. I'm going to uh, Google on my face. <laughs> no, but you're right. You're right. Like, look, there's a difference when you know somebody that's in the locker room. I think underrated to me sometimes means taking taking the level of play that people are at and trying to assume it's at a lower level. And for me, Kirk Cousins is at the level of pretty good. And you can win with a pretty good quarterback, not with of that course. defense necessarily. But we, we talk about him like he's so terrible. And that's one of the interesting things about this matchup because I think people are so bent on being right about Kirk Cousins and, frankly, being right about Daniel Jones rather than just embracing this is who they are right now and this is where they're going to be. So I, it's interesting because I think both of them, if Kirk Cousins goes out and his lights out, 
It'll change the narrative. Dan- Daniel Jones goes out. To get he's lights out. out. Freaky Friday mode. Yeah, like, we, hell, you won't do it to me today. You in, you in that. You I, in I'm the in Bentley. Freaky Friday mode. Me and my wife, we having date night tonight and everything. Okay. in the, Around the Bentley? Or like, what are we like? I'm still on the We're going to take the Porsche. We're going to take okay, the Porsche. You're going to take the Porsche. <laughs> yeah. In the meantime, you know, me and my Hyundai are going to hang out. Fitz and Harry <laughs> presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly 700 bucks. On average, the only thing left to do with Wild Card Weekend is give you winners. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Time to build your balance. Give me the money. This is Fitz Picks. Give me the money. Can we just point out, this segment has my name in it. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. <laughs> Sirius XM Channel 80, the ESPN app. Harry Douglas and me, one Jason Fitz. Can we play, Devin, can you play that? Can you start that over again just so we Are you gonna, trying to make me jealous? I'm just, I just want to. Give me money, money, money. Time to build your balance. Uh-huh. Give me the money. This How? is Fitz Picks. Look at that, HD. Are you trying to make me jealous? Well, I mean, you want to know what my father taught me? What? My father taught me, never be worried about the next man, okay? Handle your business and everything will take care of itself. So you stop, Fitz. Well, if anyone needs help handling their business, Fitz Picks brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. <laughs> Make every moment more. You know what we're going to do. I love it. We're going to pick the games. Now, uh, Evan, producer extraordinaire, I know that we have the ESPN Radio Pick'em Challenge. Are all of these games part of the Radio Pick'em Challenge? If you separate, like, yes. I, do, okay, They're every all, one of these games yes. is part of the E at this. They're all part of this. It's a team, man. It's a team. One guy can't do it. It takes all of us. ESPN Radio's Pick'em Challenge. I just have to tell everybody because I've been making picks every week. I don't know who gets credit for them. Let's start this fun, Harry. We'll start with the 49ers Seahawks, 4.30 Eastern Saturday on Fox. 49ers favored by 10. Harry, that's I like a, it. That, I like you, it a lot. You like 49ers by more than 10? Yeah, I think so. I just like the way the 49ers have played the last 10 games. Also, I think when you look at Brock Purdy, he's more and more confident within this offense. And I think a lot of these these players for the San Francisco 49ers feed off a lot of his, uh, a lot of his energy. Um, commanded the huddle from day one. We heard that from Trent Williams, their, their left tackle. So I'm going with the 49ers minus 10. They may actually win by way more than 10, though, in my eyes. See, I want to believe that the Seahawks can keep this close. I really do. And I want to believe in Kenneth Walker III being able to do what Josh Jacobs did to this 49ers defense. I think the problem is the 49ers really weren't taking the Raiders seriously, and you could sort of feel that in that game. And all that did was wake them up. I'm taking the Seahawks not to win. The 49ers win, but man, 10 points feels like too many. 10 points feels like too many. Okay. Okay. I may not feel bad. To each his own. Yeah. uh, Just make sure we don't clip that off because I don't want to hear it next week when I'm like, now I already feel bad about that pick. Uh, The next game up. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Like, I barely even got through it. The next game up is this one Chargers at Jaguars. So, this game, 8 15 p.m. Eastern on NBC, Chargers at Jags. Chargers favored by two. I, Harry, am so wildly confident that I'm uncomfortable. That oh. not only will the Jags cover that minus two, Jags are going to win this game outright. I think Jacksonville is going to beat the Chargers. I agree with you, bud. Um, before the Mike Williams news, I thought the Jacksonville Jaguars was going to win this football game. 
Um, I, I feel way more confident in my assessment now that Mike Williams isn't going to be playing in this football game. I just like what the Jacksonville Jaguars defense has been able to do. Uh, these players are hungry, and there's a new energy in Duval since, you know, Doug Peterson. Hold on, what did Rayshon Jenkins say they called him? Dougie P? Dougie P. Yes, they call him Dougie P. Ever since Dougie P arrived down to Duval. So I'm taking the Jacksonville Jaguars in this minus two. All right, we, so we agree on the Jags. We disagreed on the 49ers Seahawks. Uh, th- that's our Sunday action, or Saturday action. Let's take a look at our Sunday action, and it starts with this one. Dolphins at Bills. It's not just Dolphins at Bills. It's Bills minus 13. Man, I've, I've gosh, I feel like the Bills are just going to kill the Dolphins, right? Like, this isn't even going to be close. Uh, 13 is a hefty amount of points, too. But, Harry, I can't find a way that the Dolphins can be trusted to score any points. And I know the Bills haven't looked great over the last month, but they don't have to now. Even though the Dolphins have a million weapons, I'm not going to trust any quarterback not named Tua there. So, I like the Bills, and I like the 13. Yeah, this is going to be a massacre. This is going to be a warm-up game for the Buffalo Bills. But i got to give a shout-out to some of my friends because they are Bills Mafia like no other. My homeboy, Sean Evans, who lives in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. You know, my friend Gary Goodspeed, who lives up in the same area. And also my friend Ed Sipple, who I went to my first Buffalo Bills football game when it was freezing cold against the New England Patriots on a Monday night and got to see people jump uh, through tables over and over again for the very first time. Shout out to Bills Mafia, because I think this is going to be a massacre. And they're going to win by way more than 13, so I'm taking the Bills. All right, so i got to ask the guys behind the glass this important question. Christine Lisi, the great sports center anchor, is also one of the best bakers I've ever like tasted the food of in my life, right? So mm-hmm. she's incredible. Uh, does the Do the baked goods vary on Monday depending on whether or not the Bills win or lose? I, I'm not here usually. I'm new to being around during the day. I don't know the answer to this. Yeah, so they vary in that we don't get baked goods when they lose. Oh, at all. Yeah, no. you should become the biggest Buffalo Bills fan there is. So, to be clear, there are no baked goods if the Bills lose, but baked goods if the Bills win. Yes. And when I say baked goods, I mean like... She goes all out. Upper echelon, yes. deserves to have her own bakery, shouldn't work here. Okay, I'm all in on the Bills, yeah. like, Bills by 40 at this point. Like, just, just to give people an example, like, after the Bills beat the uh, Patriots on to clinch the two seed and, and whatever in the season finale, uh, we had homemade black and white cookies. I mean, homemade black and white cookies. So just it doesn't matter just an if you're black of what's or white. On Sunday. That's the theme of the show. It doesn't matter like, if you're black, black or white. white. Okay, let's go to the next game on the list. It is Giants at Vikings. Giants taking on the Vikings. Vikings favored by three. That game on Sunday afternoon, four thirty Eastern on Fox. I just don't know. I mean, I said earlier I like the Vikings, but it's really because I was only arguing with Harry about the Vikings and Kirk Cousins, and I felt like I had to make a point. Now I feel bad about it. Like a three-game, it's at home. Mm. I don't Mm. trust the Vikings' defense. Wow. Uh, Three points feels like too many. I'll take the Giants to cover, but I think the Vikings win. Jeez, it's about time. I have been on here waiting for nine minutes for you to make your pick. I mean, now, since it's my turn, okay, well, it's I'm going to go with the Minnesota. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Minnesota Vikings minus three because of one person. Kirk and Cousins. He's a guy. Nope. Who's won a lot of games for them this season? No, no way in hell am I talking about Kirk Cousins. I am talking about Greg Joseph, the kicker of the Minnesota Vikings, who has kicked them into victory multiple times this season. So that's why I'm taking the Vikings minus three. Okay. I, you know, I, I just can't decide how I feel about this game. that game. This game, pretty easy, though. 
Ravens at Bengals. All right, the Ravens are in Cincinnati Sunday night, 8.15 p.m. Eastern on NBC. The Bengals favored by seven. Uh, this game, this number could have been 17, and I would still take the Bengals. This game is over by halftime. I think the Ravens are going to get embarrassed in this football game, and the Bengals are going to remind everybody. The, the topic Monday is going to be, should everybody be scared of the Bengals as the best team in the AFC? Listen, I don't care what anybody say. Baltimore Ravens, Ravens, Simone, I don't give a damn. Bengals by 50. Yeah, I, I w- I'm with you 100% on that. Uh, there's, there's no way... Uh, to me, that they don't win that game and win that game huge. All right, so those are the picks that we got you. Uh, no, you just wait a minute. What? Let me hear you say Bengals by 50. Let me hear you say 50. Bengals by 50. That's what I'm talking about. Look, solely. I, by 50. Bengals by 50. I used to have a producer in the music business that never said go into the booth to sing. You know, always say go into the booth. And so for years, I was, it was always going to the booth. Maybe maybe I'll uh, uh, integrate 50 <laughs> the same way. I don't know. Uh, he's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. Uh, this is what I know. For all the conversation we've had about pressure, there is one player that if he wins this weekend is going to get paid in a generational way. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. This week on Fitz and Harry. It's Harry and Fitz, or Fitz and Harry. On ESPN Radio. Now you guys have to pretend like you're being impartial, which is why you're wearing a peanut butter suit. You just presume that all middle-aged white guys are walking around with some like 80s gel and some like weird mousse. Do you use spritz? And they limp into the playoffs and it's well, wait a minute. Just wait a minute. They how they limp. Okay. <laughs> we got medicine for them. <laughs> Yeah, they might need to take a little blue pill before they get into any sort of action against Brady, uh, which is only ironic. Big facts. I'll wear the short shorts that may or may not cover my grapefruits, and then I'll just get out there and do my talking. That, that's that's. I like Clementine. value. value. <laughs> I put some Epsom salt in there, some um, little bubbles, and had my little candles lit in there. I had a nice little bromance with myself. Pants on the ground. Paul Feinbaum walks in the bathroom. <laughs> just looks at me, and I was like, "Hey, Paul, I'm Fitz." <laughs> It's Harry and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. I put your name first. We're going to need to make sure the bosses never listen to the last segment on Fridays because the best of is all going to be grapefruit jokes that eventually get us called to the principal's office. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. You're listening to ESPN Radio right now. You should be listening this weekend. Tune in to NBA Action tomorrow. The Heat. Host the Bucks. Coverage begins at 12.30 p.m. Eastern on select ESPN radio stations. All right, AC. We've been talking about the playoffs all day, rightfully so. Everybody's got their eyes on this weekend. I think it's important to stress to the world that, in my opinion, no matter what happens this weekend, Daniel Jones is about to get paid. But if he goes in and goes off, he's about to get paid, paid. Like, he'll get that double back. Like, there is a moment here where Daniel Jones is about to get Scrooge McDuck levels of cash where he can just roll around on a mattress of $100 bills based on this season, based on the quarterback market, based on how needy teams are, based on the fact that he's better options than a lot of people have, and based on the fact that, frankly, the Giants need him and he can know his worth. Yeah, I think when you look at Daniel Jones and the way he's been been able to play this season, Fitz, I think it's in a manner that a lot of people thought Daniel Jones didn't have in him and, and thought it was it just couldn't be done. 
Now, part of that is also because you had a coach in Brian Dable, who I think is going to be coach of the year, who came in and understood his quarterback from top to bottom, understood the situations to put him in, understood what not to put him in. And I think that's huge for any quarterback, not just Daniel Jones, but any young quarterback in the National Football League or at any level, especially college as well. Um, but you look at a guy like Daniel Jones who, you know, completed 67.2% of his passes, passed for over 3,200 yards, now only 15 touchdowns to five interceptions, and that's part of the Brian Dable understanding that, you know, we're not just going to let our quarterback go haywire and throw the football all around the field, and then next thing you know we're getting him sack, and he's create, having these turnovers. But that's one of the things he's been able to do well this season, not turn the football over. Now, I mentioned the pass game. He's also a vital threat in the run game. Rushing for over 700 yards and seven touchdowns to pair him with Saquon Barkley, who was phenomenal this season. Now, I do believe this is a Saquon Barkley-centric football team because everything goes through the run game. But when your quarterback like Daniel Jones can add to that run game and also make the throws when you you need him to make the throws, um, in which he did against the Minnesota Vikings, who are there playing in the first round of the playoffs this weekend, the last matchup they had against one another for throwing over 300-plus yards in that game and one touchdown. So – I think he's made himself a ton of money this offseason, and I don't think the Giants are going to be able to lowball him. And if he takes a deal that's lower than what the market is actually saying that he can get, it's because he wants to stay in New York and he feels comfortable with his head coach, Brian Dable, and feels like he can build to another level being under his hand for two years in a row. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I just wonder if other coaching staffs would sell him in a way that also makes him comfortable because Chris Canny, co-host of Canny and Carlin, had it partially right when he talked about the value of Daniel Jones. The franchise tag is the negotiating tool that all players will use, and the franchise tag is projected to be $32.5 million for quarterbacks in 2023. Mm -hmm. So that's your starting point. So if you're Daniel Jones, you're saying, this is what I want on average annual value, and there's going to be a team that's going to push past that third year, maybe go four years, maybe go five years, at that number. And it's at that point, if you're the New York Giants, you have to make a decision. Are we actually going to tag this guy and run the risk of losing Saquon Barkley in free agency? Or are we going to go ahead and pay this guy the fourth or fifth year on the contract? That's a – it's close. The only thing I would challenge to Carlin is that if you look back at some of the ways that quarterbacks have negotiated in the past, not only do they look at this year's franchise value, they look at next year's as well, which would be about $38 million. So that means 38 plus 32, 70. A two-year deal would start at $70 million just to be fair with what he would get if he was franchised twice. So for everybody that thinks that Daniel Jones is going to take a discount, understand that there is somebody out there that will give more than $35 million a year. It's why I've been saying for months that if the Giants want to retain Daniel Jones, Jones, it's going to be a $35 million a year contract. Now, I would say this, and my, my only rebuttal to that is, if Daniel Jones isn't going to be in the best situation possible as a quarterback to succeed, would he want to do that versus being with Brian Dable, who has success and with Josh Allen in Buffalo, who has success this season with the Daniel Jones? What do he want to do that? And I know it's, uh, these young players, and especially when they're, they're trying to go on their second contracts, they're trying to get as much money as possible. But when you look at being in New York and you look at how, you know, off the field money and, and, and where you can be in those regards because you're playing well now, you're playing better, you're a playoff team, how much more money can you make in those regards versus going to a team that you might not, that you know might not be that good or that head coach or that offensive coordinator might not put you in the best situations to succeed? See, I think Daniel Jones has had so much dysfunction being with the Giants to the point that where he feels right now at this moment, he might not think anything could get better 
than, 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 than not being with Brian Dable. I'm but, just saying hypothetically. I'm just throwing scenarios out there. The two things I would say to counter that, because it makes a ton of sense, but one, I think the Giants have done everything they could to ruin him for years, right? So there has to be a moment of like, this perception of me exists because of the organization, not me. And two, I agree with you. He's not going to go to a worse situation for more money. I'm not willing to say there isn't another coach out there that can't sell him on we know who you are and what you do. Like, Brian Dable is not the only person that knows how to work with a quarterback. So just like you, when you had free agency options, looked at a few teams that really knew how to get the best of you. It only takes one other team in the league that has the same approach to his skills as Brian Dable does that would make him turn around and say, well, I know my worth. Like, it, it only takes one, as we say all the time. What I know is that we'll have a much better sense on this on Monday uh, because, frankly, for all the conversation we're having today, every single thing we see over the course of the weekend will change what we're analyzing and what we think about all of it. That's the glory of Sports Talk Radio. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. I can promise you on Monday we will break down every ounce of this. You've been listening to the Fitz and Harry Podcast. You can listen to the guys live weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio. And you can watch on the ESPN app.